and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Text this morning, Hebrews 11, 1 to 16, especially the last uh, three verses, I think. 13 to 16, four verses. Friends in Christ. How many married people out here today? Okay, I have a question for you married folks. How many of you were experts on marriage before you got married? Nobody? <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody was an expert, but you still got married. Fascinating. Okay, well then let me ask you another question. Even if you weren't an expert on marriage, in the weeks and the months before your wedding day, who was looking forward to getting married? Weird. I'm so glad Gretchen raised her hand, too. <laughs> it's strange, though, that you can be completely inexperienced about something, not knowing exactly how everything is going to be working out, but still you're looking forward to it? Yeah, that's possible. You can look forward to a new home, a new job, uh, a, a new place to live, a new life, a new country, right? A new fatherland like Abraham was doing according to this text? Well, I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to have this kind of a mindset, but I'm going to need this thing here. Thank you. Now, looking forward to a new country. I read that during the Vietnam War, any, any Vietnam War veterans in here? Okay, I got to be careful. This is what I read, and he's probably going to correct me, but I read that in the Vietnam War, back when somebody had like 30 days or less, it depends on some were 60 days and things, but when you had just this short time left in his tour of duty, they'd call him a short timer, and that it was also customary to get a short timer stick, okay? Now, they, they can, uh, some of them were really fancy, I saw uh, doing some research on this. They'd be carved with dragon's heads and anything. But anyhow, the basic idea was you'd get a stick, with, and if you got 30 days left, you'd make 30 notches in your stick, and each day that passed, you'd cut one off, and the stick would get shorter and shorter and shorter, until that day that the you know, last one was the freedom bird came and took you home, right? So you could, you could tell if they were doing this that they were short timers. And what they were doing with this stick was they were showing that they were, I mean, they recognized that they did not belong in Vietnam, their home was another place. 
And the stick was a way of showing how much they longed to be in that other land, that other fatherland, okay? I mean, let's face it. Vietnam wasn't a fun place to be. Sadness, death, all kinds of stuff. And they longed to be back in their own country. And I was really struck by this when I read about it because, you know, as Christians, you and I are also strangers and aliens, only we're strangers and aliens on all of earth. And it sounds strange to say that because, frankly, this is the only fatherland that we have ever known. But to hear that we have another one, that's kind of odd. I mean, we were all born sinners, right? We were all born into this world. I mean, this is our fatherland because we were born here. Only one we've ever known, but the fact remains. We haven't just been born into this world. We've been born again out of this world and into the kingdom of God. By inheritance right, we have someplace else. Someplace new. We've been born children of the king, servants of the Lord's army, and you know what that makes us, don't you? makes us short-timers here. Here. And it's easy to forget that fact. Why? Because this is the only place we've ever known. And it gets really easy to get so caught up in it. But we don't belong here. Not really. Yeah, we live here for now. But we, like I was telling the kids, we've been promised something more. We are short-timers. And it won't be too long before our tour of duty here is finished and we'll get to go home. The difference is, compared to the Vietnam folks or anybody that served in the armed forces, when we go home, we're going to go to someplace we've never been. Not yet. Okay, are you with me? Still? Okay? All right, good. Now, here's my main question for you this morning. Heaven is your fatherland. Eternal life with God is what He has promised you. So, what's it to you? So what? You know, what difference does that promise make in your life now? Is that word and promise of God something that is so concrete, so real, so certain in your mind that it actually affects the way you live here and now? Does the thought and the anticipation of eternal life with God affect the choices you make now? Does it affect the things you decide to do today? Or say, especially in a matter, uh, a moment of emotion, does it affect it 
Does it, do you realize, do you think about the fact that you're going to be raised from the dead and live forever in paradise? I mean, does it make any difference to you in the here and now? Or is eternal life just one of those, oh, that's good for later. You know, pie in the sky, by and by when I die. What is eternal life to you? Now, <coughs> second, a lot of colds floating around our house. Let's go back to the military image for a minute, okay? And bring it a little bit more up to date. And I will admit, I have never been in the armed forces. So if I'm saying something that's not exactly accurate, please do tell me, just not right now during the sermon, okay? Find me afterwards during the coffee time. Let me know, because I really do want to know. But as far as I know, anybody who enters the armed forces is going to get shipped someplace like dangerous or active, like Iraq or something. Anybody that gets shipped to a place like that packs light. Am I right? You don't take all kinds of different things. There's only room for the bare necessities. And that's okay because, I mean, you're not going there on vacation. You're going with a job to do. It's a tour of duty. So you pack this one duffel bag and off you go. Right? 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 Okay, good. Now, <laughs> when you're over there, furthermore... When you're in a hot spot like that in an unfamiliar land, you don't exactly put down roots, I don't imagine, because you're not there to stay. Soldiers know why they're there. They know the job they're supposed to do, okay? And they know that when their tour of duty there is done, they're going home. But in the meantime, they're willing to live in tents, right? They're, they're, they're willing to uh, put up with uncomfortable situations. They're willing to do whatever they, they have to do to fill their job, and they know that everything they have while they're over there, even the clothes on their back, none of that stuff is really theirs. It all belongs to Uncle Sam. They've been given the gear that they need to use to accomplish their job on that tour of duty. Okay? And I don't think that they're going to get all caught up in, gee, I'd like to live in this tent in the middle of the desert for the rest of my life. This is really kind of... No, they're there. They stay focused on what they're doing. But even while they're there doing everything to the best of their ability, they're still longing to go home. They're willing to put up with what they have to for their job, but they're longing to go home. Are we that way where our lives here are concerned. And I'll tell you, it is easy to lose sight of where we're really going. Do we long to be home in heaven with that better land face to face with the Father? Or do we get distracted with the familiar and get so bogged down in the day-to-day -day grind 
that we lose sight of our real goal. It's easy to get distracted. I know that. I know. The stuff of this life can seem like all there is sometimes. Because by comparison, all we have in the Bible here are words and promises about what our home in heaven is going to be like, right? Hmm. But that's the way God has always worked, isn't it? Words. Promises. Just words. Just promises. <laughs> but they're the words and promises of God, right? The one who never fails. Promises that can like lift you out of just the the discouragement and despair, confidence that can turn your life around no matter how low you've fallen. God, give us that kind of confidence, right? Lord, work it in us. I want to be set and focused the right way. You know, we get a little pang of this longing for heaven when we think about people that have died. Right, those that have gone on home ahead of us, and when we think about them, our heart hurts because we know we're going to see them again. We know we're going to be restored face to face, and it's never going to end. But we can't see it yet. It's like God, come on! But that's the longing God gives us in everything. When we keep our eyes focused on Him. Okay? Now, I'll tell you this. Because I think about that. My dad died in 2002. I still miss him. He went too early. And he went for the wrong reasons. I kept telling people he should have gotten better so I could have kicked him in the behind for not taking better care of himself. I still miss him. And I long to be back together with him but being face to face with the father is what's going to make heaven really heaven as good as our reunions are going to be dad grandpa grandpa grandma everybody the father is going to be the best because when you think about it eternal life isn't a place eternal life is a relationship Eternal life is a person. I mean, Jesus himself said it. Praying to his Father, he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And it is hard to imagine what that relationship is going to be like. But God has promised. He hasn't just promised to give us streets of gold or a nice house. He has promised to give us himself. And when he got God, I mean, he really got it all. In our gospel reading, we've got the promise. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, what is the kingdom? You've got to look back at the uh, Old Testament lesson. Oops, wait a minute. Shucks. Missing one. Anyway, Genesis 15.1. It's the beginning of our reading Old Testament reading. What does God say? Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Ah, oh, it's a different translation. This is ESV. Uh, in the NIV it says, I am your very great reward. That's intense. 
Just like the Levites, right? They had no earthly inheritance. God said, I am your inheritance. That's the way you want to be. Okay? So God makes these awesome promises. And what does that do? What does God's promise do through the power of the Holy Spirit? When you hear God's promise, God works faith in our hearts. And why? Because God Himself, He keeps His Word. I promise things to my kids, and they hope they come true. But God promises, and we know that all of it comes true. So Abraham, Abram at the time, heard God's promise, and he believed that the impossible could happen because God promised it to him, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's what faith is. From the very beginning, faith in God has not been primarily focused on this life at all. Faith in God has been the longing for home, the better country, the heavenly home, the city with foundations instead of this tent dwelling we're in right now, right? Faith is knowing that we have been created by God for the purpose, the ultimate purpose of living with Him fulfilled and sinless in heaven. Face to face, all the sorrows and all the sins stripped away. The goal of our faith is not a comfortable life here on this earth. Even the best you can get here is garbage compared to what God has in store for you. I mean, yeah, uh, eternal life begins now. True. Because when we're brought to faith in Christ, that's when our relationship begins. But right now, as good as your relationship with God may be, it's only a dim reflection of what it's going to be. Now, I want to tell you something. I've heard critics say, oh, that person is so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. I understand what they're getting at. But on the other hand, I want to tell you that it is not a bad thing to dwell on the life to come. You think about the first apostles and the, you know, the, the, the original 12 and, and the evangelism work they were doing. They were thinking about heaven all the time. And that is what motivated them to do such amazing things here on this earth. Thinking about the life to come is not useless daydreaming. What it is, is it's getting caught up in the joy and the anticipation of something that you know is going to take place. It's called having your priorities straight. Now, I don't know many soldiers who would want to live in tents forever, right? I don't know too many guys who will want to eat K-rations or MREs or whatever you call them every day. They're longing for their mom's Thanksgiving dinner, even while they're in the field, okay? 
And when you fix your eyes on your heavenly home, that puts your whole tour of duty here in perspective. You don't get settled in and comfortable. You remember that you are headed for something else. And you remember that everything that you're using during your tour of duty isn't yours in the first place. It belongs to the Father. Just like your army gear belongs to Uncle Sam, everything that you have in this life belongs to your Father in heaven. You get to use it for a while here on this earth, but use it the right way because everything on this earth is going to burn. Ever think about that? Everything you've got is going to go on the last day. You take nothing with you, but you need nothing because your Father will be waiting for you. Use the things you've been given for your short-term tour of duty with heaven in mind. The best is yet to come. Don't forget you're a short-timer here. There's a story about a a man whose little boy came home from school is sick, had a fever. And you know, like parents do when your kids come home with a fever or something, it's all picked up a bug from one of the kids in school. The problem was this kid's fever did not go away. It got worse and worse. And doctor had to come to the house and he had to tell the parents, your son has this virulent strain of meningitis and it's not getting better. And eventually, the doctor had to tell the parents, your son is going to die. So the father kind of, he loved his son, so he just took time off of work, sat by his son's bedside day and night, because it was a death watch. It was really only a matter of time. And then, it was the middle of the afternoon, when the son's strength began to fail, his brain was kind of getting cloudy, and he says, Dad, it's getting dark. It's getting really dark. And a little bit later, he says, Daddy, I guess it's time to go to sleep now, isn't it? Dad says, yeah, it's time to go to sleep. And he fixes his pillow and straightens the covers. And he lays his hand on his son's head. And the boy says, good night, Daddy. I'll see you in the morning. And he closed his eyes and he stepped into heaven. And when the father tells his son's story, he always ends the same way. He says, I can't wait for morning. Let's pray. God, grant us that kind of yearning for mourning. 
Grant us that kind of longing for our family, our heavenly home. Fix our hearts on you. Stir up in us that kind of longing for the good, for the best, for the things you have in store for us. Oh, Father, loosen our grip on the things of this world, on all the stuff with which you have equipped us. Fill us instead with a longing for our heavenly country, for our real fatherland. Sustain us in hope while we are still here below. Come quickly, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.